But first off, we're going to talk about a different crop, and maybe not so much a crop, but is the way we grow it. Uh, have you ever heard of vertical farming? Vertical farming. When I hear that phrase, I think of an apartment building, but instead of apartments on each floor, it's a different crop. And that, to me, would be vertical farming. But you know what? Why don't we talk to somebody who knows all about it? Uh, Dave Dinison is the CEO of Cubic Farms. He joins us on the line. Uh, Dave, how are you this evening? Great, Shane. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, let me ask you, when I say vertical farming, that, that's the first thing I think of. Is just I, I think of an apartment building with different floors, only each thing is a different crop or, or, or what it would be. Is that even remotely close? Well, um, not really. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think the, 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 the image of, of going up. Uh, when we think of farming today, we think of a field or perhaps a greenhouse, which is, of course, one layer. Vertical farming is leveraging LED lighting technology uh, and automation so that you can multi-story high. And so, um, yes, uh, an apartment building, uh, perhaps not, uh, but going multi-layers high uh, is is certainly uh, letting you do far more with less land. Yeah. How much space, like, I'm just trying to visualize it as we get into it. Um, So how much, when you say different levels, how, how much space do you need? I guess it depends on the crop. Yes, it, it, exactly. And then, of course, where, where, you're, where you're comparing it to. Uh, so um, at, at Cubic Farms, um, we have uh, two vertical farming technologies, uh, one that grows food for people, and the other is our hydrogreen division, which grows uh, feed for livestock, so literally growing grazing land fodder indoors. Um, and, and to give you a, a bit of an idea, um, the, the cubic farm technology growing food for people, um, um, one of our growing modules, um, which is about 320 square feet, would replace about a football field worth of farmland. So it's, it's very, very efficient, many times more efficient. But it's, it's more than just the being able to grow you know, a large amount in a small amount of space. You can do it locally course right now we've got to import most of what we eat from far away you know california arizona or or even farther Um, but vertical farming lets you localize uh, what you're growing so that you can feed local you know uh, populations uh, without having to import i guess the weather has no fat the weather doesn't play a role whatsoever you're absolutely right and uh, of course with with climate change uh, even traditional areas that have often been you know very uh abundant for farming are are finding real challenges so take california they're in the middle of, of a mega drought uh, same as, as arizona uh, the colorado river has a fraction of the water that it had just a decade ago and so the the, the drought issue is really driving um this the need for this kind of technology uh, if you think about it in our world uh we're going to double our population in the next half century and yet we're already using all of the fresh water that's available for human consumption and for agriculture. And we're already using all of the farmland that's available for growing. In fact, we're losing farmlands at a rapid rate through soil erosion, climate change, urban creep, all of these things. So we've got to do far more with the land and the water that we have. And and so that's what this technology really is all about, is making sure that we can do more with the land, the water, the energy that we have, and localize it so we don't have to ship far distances. Yeah, I'm thinking about the saving of cost of shipping and that making the price of produce and what we grow uh, more affordable. But something you said really sticks out when you said 320 square feet of growing space. Uh, 
uh, an entire football field, that really gives you a sense of how much space we're talking about. Uh, how is it able? And, and again, I don't, I don't want to go down the a science rabbit hole, but it, it's amazing. How, how come you're able to use such a, a small amount of space? Sure. Well, uh, of course, we're able to go up. Um, so you have multiple layers of, of growing. But then you also are able to give the plant exactly what it needs every single day reliably so that it will grow much better and faster. And then you can harvest it at an optimal time. And you can, of course, do that 12 months a year. So e even in the most fertile areas, there's some months of the year where you can't farm that land. Whereas with uh, vertical farming, you're doing it indoors and you're able to farm 12 months a year. So that, that uh, the land that you are using for, for vertical farming is productive, you know, 24, 7, 365, and you don't lose crops to storms or disease or pests or, you know, it's too hot, it's too cold. You think about here, you know, in, in the Vancouver area last year, we went from having, you know, the hottest uh, weather ever on record, uh, and a few months later, the wettest um, in just a space of a few months. That makes it pretty hard for farmers. Uh, and we all need farmers to be successful for us to be able to eat reliably, especially in a time with incredibly uh, increases in, in, in prices for food. So just all of these things are culminating to underscore the need for uh, farming technologies. Uh, you mentioned using uh, less water. Uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, so uh, because we're inside of an enclosed environment and we can precision irrigate on a per crop basis and give the crop the right amount of water for its stage of growth. So obviously when a, when a crop is germinating at the seedling stage, it needs relatively little water compared to when it's much larger. So you can deliver the exact right amount of water and nutrients at the right time. And then of course you're in an enclosed environment. So you can capture, um, you, you have very little evaporation. What you do have, you can actually capture and reuse. So you're literally only going to use the amount of water needed for that plant to grow. And within a cubic farm, we're, we're able to contain uh, that environment so that you're using only what the plant needs. Whereas in a field, of course, you're, you're irrigating a, a large area and a, a lot of it you'll just simply lose either to evaporation or the ground and soak it up. Are, are there limits on what sort of crops you can grow? Yeah. So um, right now, uh, our two technologies, our, our cubic farm technology grows uh, salad products really, really well. Uh, we can also uh, propagate crops for greenhouses, you know, like peppers, cucumbers, and tomatoes. But we're really focused on growing uh, salad products, leafy greens, microgreens, herbs, things like that, basil and things. And then our hydrogreen technology grows live green animal feed. So literally growing grazing land fodder for beef uh, and dairy cows, camels, racehorses, sheep, water buffalo, whatever livestock you're raising. And one of those systems um, that takes about an acre of space will replace about 500 acres of grazing land and save about half a billion gallons of water a year. So from a livestock perspective, now a farm can have on-farm feed reliably using a fraction of the land and the water, yet give animals live green feed that's the healthiest, best tasting for the animal, most nutritious. 
and that animal will then actually perform better. So, you know, vegetables, feed for livestock, and then there are some uh, that are doing uh, different kinds of fruits. And, and I think before long, as the technology advances, you'll see root vegetables, um, you know, potatoes, carrots, things like this, mushrooms. Um, you, you'll start to see more and more crops over time. Jane Foxman sitting in for Ben this week. Thanks for spending some time with us on Wednesday evening. Uh, our conversation uh, continues with Dave Dinesen, a CEO of Cubic Farms. We're talking vertical farming. So... You use less land, you use less water, uh, you can control it for 12 months a year, you can farm all year long. Um, What does it uh, cost in comparison to, as we would say, traditional farming? Yeah, so the the good news is is that um, you can have a, um, you know, dinner on your plate at at a price that's very similar to importing uh, from a far distance. Uh, and, and there's several reasons for that. So first of all, you, you don't have to use, you know, 1,500 to 2,000, uh, you know, gallons of fuel uh, to ship that uh, food, which uh, diesel, of course, is becoming far more expensive. And um, uh, you, you don't have the ridiculous amount of recalls, uh, of course, that have been happening, certainly in, in the salad uh, and, and, and lettuce space of late. So on a net per meal cost, it's very, very similar. So we can have, you know... Uh, for example, a head of lettuce on the shelf, um, or our farmers that use our technology can have a head of lettuce on the shelf uh, right next to something that's come from California, and and the price is about the same. But um, the, the the good news is is that with increasing uh, prices, um, vertical farming, especially using cubic farms, is we have a system called crop motion technology. And it allows us uh, to use far less energy than, than most other indoor vertical farming type systems. So, and energy is the number one cost of vertical farming. And so that is going to let us o- over time, I think, have an even lower price. And uh, not only that, you're not using pesticides because you're growing in a clean environment. Your food isn't covered in pesticides and herbicides and other things that are quite uh, nasty. Um I don't know if you've ever read the bottle of a you know, thing of pesticide, but it's one of the only things you'll ever encounter where the instructions tell you to wash your hand. If you're using pesticides, to wash your hands before you go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's scary. So I'm, I'm, not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what's in there, but I don't really want it uh, on my dinner plate. So being able to grow locally with far less energy water um, and do it locally without pesticides and things... And then because within a cubic farm, we can give that plant exactly what it wants from a light temperature, humidity, nutrients, water, that plant will reward you by being its optimal best. So the flavor, the texture, the color, and then they last a long time because they haven't had to sit in a truck for a long time. So you don't have to throw them away a few days after you bring them home from the store. So it's price is, we can go head to head with price. But the quality is far superior. And I, and I think once people get used to that, um, they're, they're really not going to want to go back to more traditionally farmed uh, crops. 
do you think there's any thought of going, okay, it's kind of going against nature. It's growing inside. It's not, you know, again, when you think of something going, okay, it's organic, it's grown outside. There's no anything. It's beautiful. It's nature. It's this. Is there any negativity or do you feel any of it from any part of the community going, no, we shouldn't be growing our food indoors? Well, actually, it's it's the opposite. Uh, if you think about uh, where your salad came from tonight on your dinner plate, it had to take about a 40-hour road trip to get to you. Well, that's not overly natural to have a 40-hour commute uh, from the farm to the plate. And it, it took about 40 bottles of water as opposed to the two bottles that, that, that a cubic farm would use. But your your organic salad, um, to use your example, sure. is is uh, probably has, you know, you know, bird droppings on it. Right. Uh, they're grown outside. It's not in a clean environment. And so um, we, we, we act, once you've tasted something grown inside a cubic farm, it, it's, we, we actually warn our staff, um, you'll become a bit of a, a salad snob because uh, you'll know what perfect tastes like. Well, that's something to be said, to know what perfect tastes like. Um, I, I would be, uh, it'd be interesting. So, where do we see? Where where does your produce go? Where the stuff that you grow? Yeah, so we focus on the technology. Cubic right. Farms is an ag tech company. Right. We develop the technology, sell it to farmers, so they can now grow locally what had to be imported before, or livestock farmers can have on farm feed. Um, and so we we've sold systems to farmers in BC, Alberta. We're installing now uh, a farm in Indiana. We'll have our first one overseas in Australia. Uh, that's being done this quarter. And then there's several other very large ones uh, on the way. Um, would we, we know, we would just, someone know if they've gone to their, because again, it could be local or whatever community it is, would they know if they've had it or not? Uh, they, they may. Uh, some of our farmers uh, use a, a brand called Always Local. Um, and it's in several different grocery stores uh, in uh, in BC, Alberta, and beyond. Um, but it's 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 not hard to figure it out if if you look at the packaging. You'd, you'd probably be able to see you know grown locally in a cubic farm. Okay, I'm, you know what? That's great. I'm gonna. Uh, I, I want to know what perfect tastes like. So I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna look for that. Uh, Dave, uh, thanks so much for your time tonight. Uh, we really appreciate it. I, it seems like is this something that? Uh, and again, we've got to be quick here, but could BC be a, a global leader in this sort of technology? I think so. The provincial government just changed the rules that allowing uh, ag tech on uh, agricultural land. And this, if if this isn't growing food, I don't know what is. So I think we're positioned very well uh, for BC to really break out as a global ag tech leader. I've often referred to it as Holland West. We have Hollywood North. We can have Holland West. Well, uh, Dave, uh, I'm going to keep my eyes open at the grocery store. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks, Shane.